Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. I want to start by telling you about a, a man and a woman that the man, he wasn't feeling well. And he, you know, it's the whole deal where they get really concerned and, and uh, he's not responding to typical medicines. And so they go to a specialist and that, that's, you know, after blood tests and, and all kinds of testing where he does not seem... He's not getting any better, um, you know, and, and the, the, the specialist that they went to see, he comes out, the news isn't all that wonderful, and he doesn't really quite know how he's going to break the news to the um, husband, and he really understands that what he's got to do is he's got to get to the wife and talk to the wife before he talks to the husband, so, you know, that's what he does. He, he pulls her aside, pulls her into the next room, and, and uh, he said, listen, we've done these tests and some stuff has come back and it's i'm just going to tell you what what's going on there's some treatment that we can give medically but a lot of this is is just about what's going on in his environment his environment has got to be really closely guarded and i'm having a conversation with you because you're the one that probably has the most control over his environment you know his his app um, his um, eating habits have got to change it's going to require um you to cook three times a day and the kind of cooking you're going to have to do is probably different than anything you've ever done before ingredients that you're you know you have to leave some things out you've got to be very meticulous about how you prepare what he's going to eat because it's very important that he not eat certain things he's got to eat regimented at certain times it's very important that it be you know consistent and and that you it's just going to fall on you to do that and and on top of that is, you know, you got to be careful with blood pressure. It's got to be calm in your house. There can't be yelling, and you just got to eliminate all those kind of things. You, I don't think you understand how important all that is to what's going on with his condition and how that's going to affect, you know, kind of what goes on with him. And on top of that, it, he just, you know, his, his outlook, he just... If, if you can increase, you know, how his happiness in some way, and I don't really know what that looks like for you, but it might have something to do with you being more available to him. And, um, but all of that, if he doesn't have all that, the outlook for him to live much longer is not good. She shook her head. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll, you know, he said, I'm going to leave you to kind of share what I've told you with your husband. And so she went into her husband. Her husband's obviously, you know, clearly worked up and like, why would he talk to you before he would talk to me? And that's weird. And, you know, honey, what did he say? What did he say? Am I going to be all right? And, and she, you know, she took him by the hand and she looked him in the eye and she said, honey, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> I'm trying to tell that with a straight face. And I don't, I don't know if I did that or not. In other words, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You know, I, I, I know that's what the doctor says I should do. That's kind of how we think sometimes, right? I see it, I know. I'm not doing that. Today we're looking at the imagery of Jesus washing feet, serving those around him, and we're looking at one of my all-time favorite chapters of the Bible. I did, when I was in Bible college, I was asked to speak at a fairly, for me, uh, like a big deal. It was a big deal. This thing I was asked to speak at was a big deal. And I, man, I was scared to death, and I, I studied and 
practiced, and when I got ready to preach that sermon, I was ready. Um, but the, the passage of Scripture that I had chosen that day to preach on was John, the chapter John 13. And ever since then, that, that, it just spoke to me pretty profoundly, and that chapter ever since has meant an awful lot to me. This is probably, if you said, Brett, what's the one chapter in the Bible? Now, i got lots of favorite verses, but if you said one chapter that is your favorite chapter, this is probably it, John chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Now, Jesus has lived his whole life leading up to the day that comes after this evening. Everything about his world has led up to this. And tomorrow morning, he is going to be crucified so you can imagine the emotion that jesus is feeling on this night you know when you and i have a dental appointment or something the next morning or you know something that's got to happen at work that we're not exactly looking forward to might lay awake that night and think oh man i really don't want to do that i mean can you imagine jesus knowing what's waiting for him on friday morning and here he is with his disciples that night and he's with them and all the emotion all the the baggage all the stuff that would be weighing on jesus as he's with his disciples in this other room. And at the end of verse 1, it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We're talking about loving like Jesus this morning. Verse 2, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So that's never lost on me, and I always accentuate that whenever I read this passage. Never forget that Jesus washed the feet of the man who betrayed him. You think you got issues, you think you got forgiveness problems. Jesus washed the feet of the man who would betray him. Jesus is about to give his life this week leading up to this crucifixion is a difficult week for Jesus. It starts kind of cool. He comes into the city, he's lauded, he's you know celebrated. That doesn't last long. On Monday he turns over the the tables in the the money changers tables in the temple and that's you know when he says something to the effect of you, you know you're not going to turn my father's house into a house of profit, and, and then on Tuesday has a, a big fight with uh, a, a, some of the religious leaders in the city. Don't really know a whole lot about what happened on Wednesday, but now it's Thursday, and he has sent the disciples into the city. They have secured this upper room, and they are going to have a, a Passover meal. He's going to be in this secret room with these special friends, these very important people in his life, and he is ready to deliver to them his final talk. I just want you to think for a minute. Think about the people that are closest to you. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your family, maybe it's a, you know, you've got some buddies or some ladies that you love spending time with, and you know that you're, you're going to take a nap tomorrow at, you know, 10 o'clock and you're never going to wake up. And you've got one last meal to spend with them and, to t- you're, and you're going to talk to them. You would, it stands to reason that the things that you would say to those people would be some of the most important things that you had on your mind, right? Like these are the things you want them to remember. These are the things that are really important. This is what is going to matter most to me about you and how I want you to carry on in my absence and things like that. And so he's ready to give them his final talk. He's going to share with them about the body and the blood, you know, being the the bread and the wine that we just uh, experienced in our, our communion time. This historic heartfelt moment with Jesus. And Jesus knows that one of his disciples that very night is going to betray him. And the very next day, Jesus is going to be beaten, 
He's going to be tortured. He's going to be hung on a cross to die. And according to Luke's gospel, on this night, the disciples, a, a, a quarrel breaks out among them. They start to have this discussion. It kind of turns into an argument. They're at dinner with Jesus, and all this is hanging over Jesus. And with all this hanging over Jesus, do you know what his disciples are arguing about? I wonder which one of us is the greatest. One of them says, well, you know, it's probably me. I mean, John would have had a claim on who would be the greatest. If, after all, John is the one that loves telling us in his gospel that he was referred to as the one whom Jesus loved. How would you like to have that name? The one whom Jesus loved. And so John would be able to say, well, of course I'm the greatest. I mean, I'm referred to as the one whom Jesus loved. To which Peter would stand up and say, not so fast. Because I walked on water. So I must be the greatest, at which point all the rest of the disciples would have reminded Peter, yeah, you started to walk on water, and then you fell into the water and cried like a baby and got all wet, so maybe not. And then Bartholomew stood up to say that he was the greatest, and everybody looked at Bartholomew like, what, really? I mean, nobody's ever heard of you, Bartholomew. I just can't imagine how exasperated Jesus must have gotten with the disciples as he listened to them, knowing what's coming for him the next day, all this weight that's on him, and you know, I mean, the Bible tells us that Jesus became sin. I mean, he knows that's what waits for him, and here he is, he's got these yahoos that are arguing about which one of them is the greatest, like any of them have done anything. And probably as exasperated as he got with them, he probably gets that way with us once in a while, don't you think? You think he kind of watches us and goes, really? I mean, come on. You know, when are you going to get this? See, it was Jesus who said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, I'm going to come and I'm going to lay my life down for you. Jesus looks around the room. This is his final meal with his closest friends. And what does he see? I told you about that sermon I preached when I was in Bible college. I, a book that I read that really helped me with that sermon was a book by Charles Swindoll called Improving Your Serve. Now, somebody came out last this morning and asked me if this was going to help their pickleball serve. And I said, no, wrong kind of serve. Wrong kind of serve. Um, I highly would recommend this book to you. I, I doubt you'd find that on a shelf anywhere. That book is well over 30 years old, but it is a classic. And it's all about service. And there's a chapter in there on John 13 which Charles Swindoll, uh, he, he titled that chapter, Proud Hearts and Dirty Feet. And that, that chapter helped me to prepare in large part for the, the sermon that I would deliver. Um, but that's when Jesus looked around the room that night with his disciples, that's what he saw. Proud hearts and dirty feet. And, and Jesus, seeing these dirty feet, thought to himself, I can do that. I can do that. I could, I could, I could do that. I'll, I'll wash them. And look what Jesus does next. Verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, so why would Jesus wash the disciples' feet? We've well, got to understand that in, in first century uh, Jerusalem, the streets were made out of dust, you know, dirt, and the, they were all wearing sandals, and so 
you, you walk around on that for very long and your feet get pretty nasty in a hurry. And a lot of times, we'll talk about this in a minute, about the way they, they kind of reclined around a table so your feet would be close to someone's head. Your feet got nasty, right? And, and so when you walked into someone's home, um, it was just customary. I mean, we have customs when we walk into homes. Like if, if I come into your home, if it's cold outside and I've got a coat on, you generally are going to say something like, hey, can I take your coat? I mean, there's some customary things that we do, some, some conveniences, some, some um, courtesies that we extend to people. Usually handshakes or hugs and, hey, can I take your coat? Would you like something to eat? What, you know, can I get you something to drink? So we're offering all these common courtesies. Had you walked into the home of someone in first century Jerusalem, one of the first things that would happen is they would give you a kiss, they would greet you with a kiss, and then they would, they would offer to wash your feet. Now here's the thing. They're probably not going to wash your feet because it was a very demeaning task. It was, you know, I, I heard somebody say one time, he likened it, they were trying to figure out what's the worst, you know, thing going on in a house, and it's probably washing the, the toilet. They, he likened it to washing the toilet. Like, so they would have slaves for that kind of thing. And you didn't want anybody to think that you would wash feet, but you certainly wanted to show them that you had a servant who was there that you had provided so that they could wash your feet. And, and so, you know, you, they would offer, hey, can, 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 would you like your feet washed? This humiliating task. And, and, and so this slave would come and kneel down and would wash your feet and, and everything would look wonderful at, when they got done. But let's be honest, feet are kind of nasty, Right? Can we just say that? Is it okay? Feet are nasty. I mean, I've seen some of your feet. I don't need to see that. I can't unsee that, right? Um, on top of that, some of you people in here go and get pedicures, which is so strange to me. My dad, my dad drove a truck his entire life. He's the last guy in the world you would expect to get a pedicure, but now he's, he's in dialysis. And one of the things that they recommended was that once in a while he'd go and get a pedicure. So mom took him for his first pedicure, and I mean, I just the thought of my dad getting a pedicure is hilarious to me. But he did. He got a pedicure, and then I came to visit one day, and he was telling me about his pedicure, and he looked at me serious as a heart attack, and he says, Brett, you've got to get you one of them. You've got to get you one of them. I, he said, I love going up there. He said, they do such a good job. I mean, the idea of somebody grinding on my dad's toes... Like, no, no, I can't unsee that picture in my head. And I've seen some of your feet, and they're gnarly. I can't imagine what kind of, you know, do you take out a power grinder? I mean, does Bosch make a tool for that, or what's that like? I just don't want anybody touching my feet, right? Like, I go to, the last thing I do when I go to bed I take my shoes off. I mean, obviously I can't get my pants off without getting my shoes off, but I wear, I, I wear my shoes until it's time to go to bed. I don't want anybody touching, rubbing, grinding. No, no. Because feet are nasty. And, and this was a job that was usually reserved for the servant in the house. A better word is slave. It was reserved for the slave. And Jesus is at this final meal, and it's right before he going to give his life and he looks around the room and he sees all these proud hearts and dirty feet and he puts on a slave's apron and he grabs this basin of water and he grabs a towel and this picture unfolds before the eyes of the disciples and they realize there's that moment where they realize what he's about to do 
I don't know if you've seen the commercial on television, but there's a commercial about, um, you know, checking your credit score. And this lady says, I'm going to check my credit score. And her husband is like bacon. It's like got some, a skillet, something in the skillet. And he's flipping it. And she says, I'm going to check my credit score. And, and time slows down. Everything slows down. And, and it's no, right? I think that's kind of the response when, when the disciples looked up and realized he's about to wash our feet. Like, that's the last thing you want. You've spent all this time with the man that you've called master, and you've served with him, and, you, you, you know, he's, he's your rabbi. You look up to him. You respect him. The last thing you want is for this man to wash your feet because that's a job for slaves, and he is not our slave. We don't want him to take that role. But there's a moment where it dawns on them, oh, my goodness. He's fixing to wash our feet. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is about to assume the position of a slave of a nobody. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the Savior of the world, our Redeemer, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the bright and morning star, the Alpha and Omega, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the light of the world stoops down and he does something that is reserved for the lowest of the low in that society. People that often weren't even, you know, if they had a name, it wasn't used. They often got referred to as, hey, slave, come here and do this. And, and Jesus is going to assume that role because there's a need, because there's dirty feet, and we can't have that. And Jesus basically said, you know what? I see the need. I can do that. I can do that. I can wash feet. I can wash feet. The Bible says that he loved them to the end. Now, how? How did Jesus love them to the end? By doing something that everybody else thought that they were too important to do. That's how he did it. Jesus, the Son of God, knelt down and began to wash their feet. See, the other disciples saw the, the same thing Jesus saw, but what went through their mind was, I'm not doing that. I'm not a slave. I'm not, I don't do that. You know, there's, there's jobs that in houses, moms, you just, just one of the many things you do. I referenced this in the first service. <laughs> it's not going to make me look great. I try to do better now, but for the longest time, I didn't realize that toilets were actually something you clean right? Don't, don't nudge your husband, okay? Don't, don't nudge. But you've got a husband right now that probably doesn't even realize that you clean the toilet. We just somehow think magically that thing turns white, right? Like, it's just, it always shines. It always sparkles. How does that happen? It's because mom's going in there when nobody else is around and cleaning that nasty, filthy thing, right? So husbands, if you're thinking today, what could I do? What could I do to serve my wife today? Go get you a bowl of a, a, a bottle of Clorox cleaner and one of those brushes that sits there by the commode and you don't really know what it's doing there, but there's always a brush there. Why don't you go around today and clean all the toilets and watch your wife fall over and faint, right? Ladies, are you with me? Would you like that? Yeah, heck yeah. How did I get there? How did I get there? 
Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I see that's dirty. Ooh, that's filthy, nasty. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. I, I want to be careful how I say this because I could say this and it would make me, it would make me, it, would, it could sound arrogant. I definitely don't want, want it to sound that way and it could make me sound better than I actually am and I don't, I don't want to do that either because there's a lot of places where I don't get this right but I'm trying more and more to recognize what I can do for somebody else. There's a lot of things I can't do. And it frustrates me when, I, when there's things that I can't do. Like, I'm not a very good mechanic. I have great mechanics, okay? They take such good care of me, such good care of me. I, I can't do that. I can't fix cars for people. If your car breaks down, don't call me. I can pray over it. Lord, <laughs> heal, you know. It's not going to work. There's a lot of things like that I can't do, and it frustrates me because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of geared and wired to want to help people, and I'm trying more and more to just see. But, but when there are things that I see that I can do, if it's something that I can do, I want to step into that, and I want to say, you know, I can do that. I can do that. And I would be, I would, you know, I don't really say it out loud, but in, in my mind I'm trying to think, you know, I, I could serve, I could do that. God, give me the eyes to see the way you see. Give me the eyes to see the needs of people around me. Give me the eyes to see where I can step in and I, help me to see dirty feet. Help me to figure out how to wrap an apron around my waist and a wash basin and wash somebody else's feet. In essence, your prayer should be, God, make me more like mom. Because <laughs> that's what moms do. My mother, her entire life, has put me first. Her whole life. It's what she does all the time. It, it drives me crazy. She will not let me eat until, she, or she will not eat until she's made sure that I have eaten. You know what I'm talking about? She's the last one in line. Um, you know, this really drives me nuts. She won't let me pay for anything. I'm a grown man for crying out loud. Let me pay for dinner. No, no, you're not paying for dinner. And then I get one of those looks that mom gives you, like, don't make me. You know what I'm talking about? The look, don't you make me. Mom, calm, calm down. But, you know, like, I'll go, I'm probably going to go visit her at the end of the week. And when I get there, one of the first things I do is I have to go get some food for Peter, and, and uh, I, I go get a few goodies for me that, that I, because that I, when I go to mom's, I'm allowed to eat things that I don't eat here. So, so I go get those, right? And, and mom thinks that's hilarious that I come in with that. So she's like, are you hiding it from Dee Dee? No, she knows I'm eating it, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of on vacation. So. And she'll get in her purse, and she'll like, want to hand me $20 for that. I'm like, mom, I'll, I can buy my own food. no. You, you know, you, and you know how they do, they're good at that. I mean, it's like World War III to try to get to pay for something. God help me if we ever eat out somewhere. When dad's in dialysis, a lot of times, mom and I slip off to our favorite restaurant and we'll, we'll have dinner together. And, I, you know, and I'm wanting to pay for that. I mean, it's just like, there's, the answer is no, no, you're not paying. And she looks at me like I've insulted her. So the prayer is, you know, God, Help me to see the world more like mom. Because moms, here's what you do. You, you just, you see the need and you meet the need. You know, you're, you've gotten to a place where you don't even really think about it anymore. Oh, I got to do that. 
you know, they make the mess and you just kind of follow behind and clean it up. And, and you see that, and nobody else sees it, but you see it, and you just take care of it. Maybe it's different in your house, but in my house, my mom did that kind of stuff all the time. And, and really, you would never hear, hear my mother say something like, that's beneath me. Like, I'm too, I'm too good for that. You know, I, I've, I've watched my mom do things and thought to myself, How, what, what's with her? She's beaten me to things. She's seen things that needed to be done that I wish I'd seen. You ever had that where she gets into it and she's halfway through it and you realize, you idiot, you should have done that. And then you hang your head like, man, I'm, I'm horrible. They see needs and they meet needs. So your prayer is, God, give me the eyes of, of Jesus. Give me the eyes of mom. Give me eyes that see needs and help me to step into it and meet the need. There have been times when, when I have seen the need and I thought to myself, I don't want to do that. I'll be so bold as to tell you, I've looked at things sometimes and thought, I ain't doing that. And, you, you know, you try to kind of sneak away from it. And God starts talking to you like, get yourself back over there and get involved in that. No, God, I think they got that covered. No, they don't. Get over there. And, and, and you, that's, I've got that for you. That's for you. Don't pass by that. And I think to myself, man, it's going to cost me time. It's going to might cost me some money. I don't, I don't want to do that. But here's the thing. The more I try to walk away from it, the more I can just almost hear God's voice say, Brett, get in there and do that. And, and here's the, the part that's amazing. I've just gotten a huge blessing many, many times over something that I didn't want to do, and then I got into it, and I started doing it, and then I walk away, and I'm like, man, am I glad I did that. And it feels good. It feels good to serve somebody else. See, when you get outside yourself, and you have eyes to see, and you have eyes to hear, and a heart that cares, you're going to find some opportunities, and you're going to begin to say, you know what, I can do that. This one's mine. That's mine. I'll do that. Yeah, it's demeaning. Yeah, it's going to be hard work. Yeah, I might sweat a little bit, but I can do that. Let me do that. The greatest is the one who serves. Now, here's the thing. We're not doing this, right? Like, I'm going to wash some feet here. Let me get my camera up. Let me take a, take a selfie. Yeah, I'll put that on the Internet later. Hashtag servant. You know? No. No, you're not doing it so everybody else can know. You're not doing it so everybody else can, you know, clap for you and things like that. It, it's not just about the action. It's about the attitude. You have the right attitude. It, it's, it's an attitude that says, you know what? I have been gifted by God to do this. God has seen to it that I know how to do this. I'm capable. I got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm it might, it might be something to do with money. Hey, he's given me a little extra money. Let me do that. Um, it's at this point that I want to tell you some of the things I've done, but then I'd be taking a selfie, wouldn't I? I can't do that. But it's just basically saying, God, you've been so good to me. Let me take something and let me give it back. See, when you have the right attitude, your actions start to follow, even if you don't initially feel it at the beginning. This is a, a word that I use called praxis. Tony Campolo taught me this 30 years ago. I read a book by him. I think it was, I was listening to a tape, and he, he, he referenced this word praxis. 
And I've heard it since then used by counselors and psychologists and people like that. And they use it a little different than Tony did. The way I learned the word is this. It's when your, your heart catches up with your head. Your heart catches up with your head. What, what do I mean? I mean, like, today is a perfect example. Most Sunday mornings, I, I can't wait for church to start. I can't wait to see everybody. I, I love my job, and I, I, this is, Sunday's a really fun day for me, and I love seeing you, and, and, and you encourage me, and I encourage you, and you know, we, 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 we love each other. It's a wonderful thing. And I leave, and I'm happy, but there's some mornings, and this morning was one of those, because it's kind of chilly, and it's just overcast. It's kind of a, you know, dank, dark kind of weekend, and not as pretty as it should be, and um, I was a little tired, and on Sunday mornings, I get up pretty early. I mean, earlier than the rest of the mornings for me. Sunday morning is the morning I really get up super early, and uh, this morning, my alarm went off, and if I'm totally honest with you, I was like, oh, not today. Not today. I don't want to do that. God, I don't want to do this today. But, you know, you guys kind of expect me to show up on Sunday. I can't really just, like, mail it in. Like, I'm not going today. Um, So I get up, and I get myself ready and get myself going, and I come over here, and I do all the stuff that I normally do. And, you know, people start showing up for church, and we start, you know, shaking hands and giving hugs and how you doing and telling stories. and, And something happens between, you know, 5.30 in the morning and and 12.30 in the afternoon when I leave here, and my heart has caught up with my head. And all of a sudden, I'm happy that I've been here. I might not have been happy at 6 o'clock in the morning, but by the time I leave, I'm like, you know, I'm really glad that I'm so happy that we had church this morning. I'm, it's, it, it, I just, I'm happy. And that's praxis. That's when your heart catches up with your head. See, serving is... Uh, serving is not what I do. Servant is who I want to be. That's kind of the goal. Not serving is what I do. Servant is who I am. It's who I am. Who are you? Are you, are you a servant? A servant is it's who we are. As believers in Jesus, it, it's who we are. Let me ask you, do you want your kids to be servants? If you want your kids to be servants... Uh, There's a couple of things I would tell you. First of all, it's got to be modeled. It's got to be modeled. You know, you don't want your kids to hear you say something like, oh, I've got to go serve today. No, don't ever say that. No, we get to go serve. Try to figure out a way that you can model for them servanthood. Secondly, encourage them to serve now. One of my favorite things is a lot of times after church is over, we've got some some, uh, people with small kids and... um, you know, they bring them in here, and a lot of times they'll go down the rows, and they've got them trained to pick up the communion cups. And it's just so fun to watch because they feel so important. You know, they come with a stack of cups like this tall. And uh, if I'm in here, I like to encourage them, you know, and, and clap, kind of clap for them and recognize them. And, and, boy, it just makes them feel great when they think that they're helping somehow. Right? And, and I love that, that the parents kind of encourage their kids to come in and pick things up and pick the communion cups up and... You know, we count them sometimes, and, but it's, it's, it's teaching them very early, hey, I can serve too. And it feels good. It feels good to serve. It feels good to do something for somebody else. Your goal is for you to make serving not something that they do, but to make servant who they are. When they see you serving and they see you denying yourself and they see you living out your faith, They're going to plug in, and suddenly they don't just go to church, they are the church. 
And Jesus starts to transform a life. You want to know how Jesus transforms a life? He transforms a life when you begin to serve. I have conversations with strangers all the time. It's just, I don't know, I, uh, I'd like to think I'm fairly easy to talk to, and, and so I meet people and talking to them on planes and different things, and I have some great conversations, and conversations are great, usually until they find out I'm a pastor. Then it gets weird, right? Like, oh, you're a pastor? And then they start quoting verses to me that aren't actually in the Bible, <laughs> right? From books of the Bible that aren't really in the Bible. They start trying to tell me about their church, and they're not really sure what the name of the church is or who the pastor's name is. Sometimes they get it right that it's a male or a female, but outside of that, they, you know, it's like, what's her name, and what's the name of the church? I said, you know, what church do you go to? Oh, yeah, it's the First Baptist Presbyterian Church of the, and I'm like, what? It just kind of gets weird. Um, you know, when I'm camping with, out once in a while, and we meet, we'll talk to a neighbor, and, and, and I'll go over, and we'll be sharing whatever, and, and it's all wonderful until I let them know I'm a pastor, and then all of a sudden the alcohol starts to disappear, and, <laughs> you know, like, oh, goodness gracious. So <laughs> they try to tell me how spiritual they are. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So one time I was camping and I had my drone. I was flying my drone around and, of course, you know, women could care less about drones. Men love them. Ladies, if, you're, if, you, if you have any doubt, men want a drone. I'm just telling you they want a drone. So I'm flying my drone around and I've got this guy's attention. I can tell he's watching it. So I, I walked over to him and I said, I said, hey, would you like me? I can take a picture of your camp rig and your setup. Would you like me to do that? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. So I did that and we're having this conversation. Great conversation until he found out I was a pastor. And then the whole conversation tanked because now he's trying to impress me. And now he's starting to treat me different. Now, you know, now it just gets weird. And, he's, and, and then they get ultra-religious all of a sudden. And I'm like, I liked you better when we were just friends. You know? But here's the, here's the conversation that drives me nuts. And I hear it more often than I want to, and I just, I don't want you to talk like this, okay? I want to change your thinking around this thing. And maybe you've said this, and if you have, don't think that I hate your guts, because it's not like that. I just, I want to teach you something, okay? I want to teach you something. When you're having a conversation, I, one phrase I don't ever want you to hear is, well, that church is just not meeting my needs. Oh. It just, I think the top of my head starts to smoke when people say stuff like that. A church is just not meeting my needs. Okay, listen. And, and if you come here from someplace else, I'm not getting on you. I'm not putting you down. I'm not talking about that. I, that kind of stuff happens for lots of different reasons. Convenience, there's, you know, different things. But if you've been a Christian longer than six months, there should be a shift in your mind that goes, you know what, it's not about me anymore. It's about everybody else. And I'm not going to be so worried about somebody meeting my needs. Whose needs can I meet? How can I serve? How can I give myself away? How can I take whatever it is that I understand and know and, and do something for somebody else? See, the church does not, uh, does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. And we get this mindset that, that we're consumers instead of contributors. We're not consumers. We're contributors. We've got enough consumers in the world. A lot of users, not a lot of givers. 
We are the body of Christ. We have gifts that God has given to us. We need each other. And if you're only going to church and you're not actively serving somewhere, we need you. All over this building, we need you. We're serving all through the week. There's no greater thrill than being used by God. I'm, I'm, I'm out of time and I'm out of, I got two more pages of notes. I'm just going to say, forget it, okay? Here's what I'm trying to say this morning. Have eyes to see and a heart that cares. If Jesus is moving in you, if Jesus is making a difference in you, the way that's going to pour itself out is you're going to see needs and go, I can do that. I can do that. Nobody else wants to do that. I'll do that. Wash feet? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll. Washing feet was the last thing anybody wanted to do, and Jesus jumped all over it. And so I'm just asking you this morning, in what part of your life can you kneel down and wrap an apron around your waist and very quietly grab a basin of water and take some feet and start to wash feet. What does it look like for you to be able to do that? I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, you tell us that people are going to know we're followers of Jesus by our love, and they're going to know that we've been with you when we start doing the things that you do. And Father, we, want to, we absolutely want that to be the case. We believe that you are the, the answer to the world's problems. You're our Savior. We want the world to know that. But Father, they really aren't interested in what we have to tell them until we serve them. And even then, they may not be willing. And Father, we don't just serve so that they'll listen to us. We serve because you, we are servants. Serving isn't what we do. Servant is who we are. And so, Lord, I just pray as we go out of this room this morning that you would help us to have eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that care you would make us and mold us into servants help us to not be selfish help us to not be users help us to serve pray it in jesus name